Hello, everyone, and welcome back to those Catholic shrinks. You're back for a second round. <laughs> uh, Regina and Lisa here with you, and we're we're excited to talk about a little bit of a specific topic today, but to dive in a little bit. But first, Lisa, I must know, what are you drinking today? <laughs> I am drinking um, a mint tea melange. Ooh. Yes. It's a blend of peppermint, lemongrass, and spearmint. Mm. Ooh, lemongrass with mint. I'm mm -hmm. very curious about that. I'll have to try that. It's quite refreshing, actually. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It's the middle of August in Florida, so I need something a little bit more refreshing. That sounds really good. I'm drinking uh, rooibos and honeybush tea. Rooibos, I'm kind of in this new rooibos phase right now. I found a really cool rooibos chai recently, so I saw mm. this honey bush and I was like I have to try it so it's a little bit different but it's nice it's smooth calm like this is exactly what you know you need sometimes for <laughs> self-care it's yes. a good tea so for any tea drinkers out there I hope you appreciate <laughs> what we're talking about uh so what topic are we delving into today yeah, so we're we're a little bit into the school year now the school year's underway so we thought it might be helpful to talk about a little bit of our experience working in schools, specifically mm -hmm. with high schoolers, with yeah. teens, and how do we understand them and what are what are some of the challenges they face? What are how can parents and you know anyone who works with high schoolers, how can we see and recognize signs where they might need more help than we realize? And Yeah, I don't know if you're the same, but anytime I tell people I work with teenagers that don't work with teenagers themselves, I often get the response of, oh, <laughs> oh, God bless you. Right. It's like, oh. I think teenagers scare a lot of adults, mm -hmm. you know, so this topic of understanding teenagers, like how can you possibly understand teenagers? Yeah. But they're not as scary as you think they are, actually. They really aren't. I mean, what I like about working with teens is that they're old enough that you can joke around with them, you can be sarcastic. Mm -hmm. And they actually get the joke, <laughs> um, <laughs> so true. but um, at the same time, you know, they're so young, they're impressionable. Mm -hmm. So they're at a perfect age for influencing, even though they like to pretend like they're ready for the real world and they mm -hmm. don't want to listen to your influence. There are still definitely ways where you can be that influencing power over them. So it's just a really nice age to mold and shape yeah. in a different way than if they were a little bit younger. Yeah, and you can really see, like, when they decide they want to make a change in their life, they can make that change. They're so flexible. Their personalities are so flexible. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, I love the humor part. They really, And I love that they're able to make fun of themselves. You know, yeah. adults sometimes, we get into that, that part of our life where we can't make fun of ourselves as easily, but teenagers, mm -hmm. you know, they'll say they will have done something ridiculous and be like, that's really dumb. You know that, right? And they're like, I know. <laughs> Whereas if you said that to an adult, they'd be insulted. But the teen, right. teens can take a good-natured ribbing. Like, mm -hmm. they don't mind that, you know? And I think that's probably, even though any teens listening might not like this, but that's part of <laughs> still being childlike in a sense. Yeah. Not in a demeaning way, but, mm -hmm. you know, you're still a minor, and so there's some youth there that mm -hmm. gives you the ability to make light of some situations that can be really healthy sometimes. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it's so true. I I love working with them. It's always an adventure. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never a dull moment, especially when you're in a school. Oh, gosh. And there's, you know, 1,300 of them running around all mm-hmm. hanging out with each other all day long. My goodness. I only have 500. You have... Yeah, have more than double what I have. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're up to fourteen hundred now. So wow, that's yeah. a lot of teenagers in a very small space. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yes, lots of drama, but you know it comes with the territory. Yeah, and you know I was thinking recently. I was telling you before we started recording this, but um, you know the last week of summer I helped chaperone a camp, a high school high schooler camp up in the middle of the mountains in Georgia and it kind of got me thinking about what are some of the things that our teens face today what's Mm -hmm. different and it was just so interesting some of the dynamics right summer camp you do all the fun things rope courses whitewater rafting hikes um, lots of prayer and speakers as well mess Um, hall yeah cafeteria (laughs) like yeah absolutely and um then at night, you're in the bunks, right? So you would think mm-hmm. they separated boys and girls, and so we're in the girls' bunk. And at, there was a certain point where everything got really quiet. You know, we'd have lights out, but a glowing lights out because everyone mm. pulled their phones out and were commenting on, you know, whatever pictures they wanted to upload that day from the website of the camp onto their social media sites. Yeah. Um, and same with the bus ride home. It was about an 8 eight-ish hour bus ride and the first hour I would say of the bus ride home was completely silent Mm. all of the students pulled out their phones and were catching up they were plugging back into their digital communities because they hadn't really been on them didn't have good access to service out there Mm. um, for a week and so it was just it just really struck me in that silence because yeah. you would expect teens to be really loud and rowdy. And, mm-hmm. and I realized that's a huge difference than when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah, to get a bus of teenagers to be quiet. Like, yeah. I mean, there would have to be lots of yelling from the adults to get them quiet. But right. this is like they're doing it to themselves. Exactly. Now, of course, you know, once they were all caught up and everything, then they Mm -hmm. went back to their normal selves and Mm -hmm. socialized and played music and those types of things. But it was really eerie just that first hour or so. Yeah. And it's so strange. You know, I think of a summer camp experience of my own where, you know, we're in the bunk houses. Actually, was at San Pedro here in Orlando. Um, We're in the bunks. You know, you got to fight over who gets top bunk, bottom bunk, all that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's 2 a.m. and like the quintessential camp experience is you're getting yelled at by the camp counselor because it's time to go to bed now, exactly. you know, um, versus it's just kind of self-induced silence. Yes, they were putting themselves to bed because they wanted to be on the phones and That's they so- were not all of them. Some of the more outgoing mm-hmm. ones, I would say, were still chit chatty a little bit, but most of them were one on one, them and their screen and their device and ready for bed. Yeah, and you know, you know, we're talking about like what are the new challenges for teens versus when you know, even when you and I were younger. And I think it is—it's this twenty-four hour availability to be plugged into a massive social network. Mm-hmm. You know, if I wanted to talk to one of my friends, even at eleven o'clock at night—not even two, but eleven o'clock at night—I'd have to like 
get the phone off the wall, which is attached to the wall with that <laughs> long cord, you know, yeah. and like somehow managed to get it all the way to a closet to get inside the closet <laughs> to talk to a friend. And even then my mom's going to hear that craziness. Right. You and know? who's going to answer the phone? Your friend's parents. Very, very true. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just kind of these inbuilt ways of knowing who your kids were talking to and when they were talking to them and what hours. And they have just no boundaries necessarily around when they want to talk to people or when they want to connect in with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wonder with something like that, how much are they missing out on just kind of social interactions that are just a normal, were maybe a normal part of life. Right. Of like, you know, you stay up until two o'clock in the morning talking with your girlfriends on the top bunk Mm -hmm. um, and how much comes from that. Because I know for me, that's where a lot of like growth conversations happened was driving in the car Mm-hmm. for long car trips and you've got nothing else to do and you can only listen to like grainy radio stations for so long <laughs> being in a long bus ride with a bunch right. of other teenagers and again same thing like because I remember if I had brought a book with me on a long bus trip as a as a teenager and sat there and read my book I would have been seen as like she's kind of isolating herself mm-hmm. but now they have these little computers in their hands and right. it's seen as socially acceptable to isolate yourself right and I even have memories of going on field trips in middle school, I think, and it was really cool to have those CD Walkmans. Yeah. And I remember, like, trying to balance <laughs> the Walkman on my lap, and, like, so it wouldn't skip if, <laughs> if the bus hit a bump in the road. And, yeah. <laughs> and it was just this, and eventually, it didn't work out well. I mm-hmm. feel like you couldn't listen to your CD the way you wanted to, and so you eventually would give up and... All right, pardon for that interruption. We are actually recording right now um, at school, and I had a little knock at the door from one of our beautiful teenagers, (laughs) funnily enough. (laughs) Yes, how ironic. (laughs) So, Regina, remind me what you were saying. Um, So, yeah, I was basically saying, you know, you're on the bus with the CD Walkman, too many bumps in the road from the bus, eventually you can't listen to your CD anymore, so you give up, and you go join your friends, and you talk about something Mm -hmm. else, but... So there was a little bit of an opportunity, I feel like, for me to be isolated in a sense and withdrawn, but not for nearly as extended of a time as you can now with all the smart devices. Yeah, I mean, the internet's endless. That CD was maybe an hour. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. Yeah, and other, if you want to bring more CDs, you'd have to have that big honking, like, sleeve of (laughs) CDs that you bring everywhere with you. Oh, yes. You know? (laughs) Um, So... Yeah, and, and it's true. Like, they now have endless options of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They run out of Facebook. Like, they can jump over to Instagram. Right. There's so many different things that they can be on. And those are, like, two of the older social media platforms, right. too. Um, and I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say so many of the kids that I work with um, talk about their Snapchat stories and mm-hmm. how it's a thing now to keep it going. A streak. Yeah, you have this streak Mm -hmm. where either a friend keeps it up for you if you can't be there or... And so, like you were talking about before, that pressure to always be on and available Mm -hmm. is there in a way that I don't think any of us... You know, we had the AOL Instant Messenger, but it was kind of cool to have the away message with the quote. Yeah. And it was okay (laughs) to say, like, I'm doing homework, and you put your little quote up or something. Yeah. But now it's... I'm mm-hmm. seeing that there's an expectation of always on, always, always keep the street going. Mm-hmm. Like. 
It's very interesting. Yeah, and it's very, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges that teenagers are facing now that we didn't face is they mm. they are always on, they're always plugged in, and when they're not plugged in, um, they're worrying about it because what am I missing out on? Right. And there's all of this um, pressure that comes with that. So that's a whole other area of pressure that we didn't have. Um, and it's increasing their anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the more I talk to other people in our field, the more and more I hear them say, teenagers are so much more anxious than they used to be. So much more anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, higher levels of depression. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing more of it. Um, higher levels and more kids in general experiencing that. Right. Because, you know, it used to be you could go home and you could turn off. And there is something in the human person that needs to turn off, Mm -hmm. that needs to not be available, um, to just shut the door and to not have access to other people and to just, you know, relax. Right. And they don't get that shutdown time. They Mm -hmm. don't get that relaxing time. Um, and it's funny, you and I have talked about this before, um, the fact that there's a lot of teens who bring their phones and their iPads with them to bed. Oh, yeah. So it's not just on trips because I want to post and update that cool picture of myself on a mountainside. It's, um, you know, it'll be 2 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, and they have school the next day, and they're up, and they're chatting, and they're updating a story, or they're FaceTiming, um, and so they're not getting any sleep. Yep. So increased social pressure, pressure, lack of sleep, Mm -hmm. um, never getting to turn off. I mean, it's... I would go home and it's like, what am I going to do for the rest of the night? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I have so many parents talk to me about that in Mm -hmm. my practice. Oh, they're not sleeping. I don't know what to do. And that's the first question I ask. I Mm -hmm. say, is their phone in the room with them? And do they have a device? Oh no, they just use it for an alarm clock. I say, no, they don't. They don't. Mm -mm. If it's in there, they're on, they're on social media. They're talking to their friends. I lie to myself like that. Mm -hmm. I'll say, no, no, no. I let my phone in the bedroom because I use it as an alarm. Right. And then, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I'm scrolling through Pinterest. Right. So if I'm doing that, there's a pretty good chance the teenager is too. You're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I do. I think it um, it does begin to impact them spiritually as well um, because that that's the other thing, too, is it's not like when they're on Facebook, they're reading some great novel or when they're right. on Instagram, they're doing something that's sustaining their attention. Right. You know, they're not on Project Gutenberg reading Dickens. <laughs> they hey, are. you never know. Right you, you know, <laughs> that's true. There are, we do have some very scholarly students. <laughs> Um, but what the, the information that they're consuming is in, in bite-sized pieces, you know, Twitter has a character limit. It's something that doesn't need a lot of sustained attention. Right. Um, and so they have, I think that they're, and I'm noticing that they're having a really hard time just sitting and being still and sustaining their attention for long periods of time, maybe not even long periods of time, like to just sit and be still for five minutes in silence. I don't know of many adults even nowadays, but definitely very many teenagers that can do that, that can sit in silence for five minutes. And what do you need for good prayer to happen? Mm -hmm. You need at least five minutes of good sustained silence. Absolutely. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, thinking about my own self, I feel like mm-hmm. I've noticed a change in my own attention span from just having reg- daily use of a smartphone. And mm-hmm. so I can't imagine what that's like culturally for a younger generation where mm-hmm. they always have to be on. And, and just in general, thinking of all those pressures of not only do you have to deal with all your school, your academics, trying to get into a good college, whatever extracurricular activities you're mm-hmm. juggling after school. And meanwhile, maintaining these streaks and these conversations constantly throughout yeah. the day, trying to go home and do homework, yeah. staying up till two in the morning, mm-hmm. constantly your phone interrupting you in the middle of the night trying to get sleep. Yeah. I mean, it's no wonder that you see an increase in anxiety and depression because Mm -hmm. some of those basic physical needs of just getting sleep and having time to recharge your body (laughs) and your brain Mm -hmm. um, are not being met over an extended period of time. Mm -hmm. That's definitely going to impact mental health for sure. And it's hard to, because I think we're we're on the cusp of all this too, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Smartphones have not been around that long. When right. we were in college, yeah, we, we had flip phones. You know, yeah, you had to press like the one key like five times to get right. to the letter E. You yeah, know? I feel like the first iPhone came out what in oh seven oh six something. Sounds right. Yeah. So like, if you were really cutting edge, you those had that. first people had it, but yeah. not everyone had it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, yeah so it was very different so what we're just 10 mm-hmm. years into this essentially exactly 10 years into it where the adults are even still learning how to manage their own media consumption their own use of this device this computer in your hand so adults are still learning how to do that teenagers are having to kind of learn it on their own because even the adults around them still don't know what like necessarily the rules are around mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and then couple that with the fact that their brains are not done yet Their brains are still developing. Their Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex, which um, really impacts impulse control, Mm -hmm. planning, logic, logic, reasoning, (laughs) executive functioning. How do I manage my day? How do I manage my time? All of that's in your prefrontal cortex. And that's not done for Mm -hmm. teenagers. For girls, I believe it's in their early 20s. For Mm -hmm. boys, it tends to be in their mid-20s. So in college, they'll have the actual brain capacity to do that. and they're getting phones in their hand, smartphones in middle school. Yeah, middle school. Sometimes even in elementary school. Yeah. Um, so their brains literally do not know how to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the adults around them are struggling to figure that out for themselves as well. Right. You know, so I think that's another challenge for them is um, they don't necessarily, there isn't a script for it. There isn't a social script for, okay, you know, at the dinner table, it's like you come to the dinner table and like, here's the rules for eating at a dinner table. Napkin in the lap. Right. Fork goes on the left. You know, cup is up at the right. You don't talk with your mouth full. Like there's social no devices. Work. No devices, <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> um, but there aren't necessarily those social rules or they're just beginning to develop around technology. Right. Um, and so they're having to learn while their brain is still figuring it out on their own. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes things very difficult for them. Right. And I think, you know, when we think about the mental impact, just mental health wise, um, you know, how how can you recognize if you're 
high schooler or someone in your family might be showing some signs of distress because I feel like when we're when we are connected to technology so often you know we get this tunnel vision we're just looking at the mm. screen and we, f- we forget to look at the sky and <laughs> enjoy the weather and hopefully not walk, the road we don't forget right. to look at the road <laughs> you walk from one building with air conditioning to another mm-hmm. and so there's just a lot of opportunities to be disconnected I feel like it's hard to notice Mm-hmm. when somebody might be struggling or mm-hmm. showing signs of anxiety or depression because we're when we're on our devices we almost kind of go into this like coasting mode of yeah not really showing any mm-hmm. any signs or behaviors yeah so maybe we could talk about that of mm-hmm. what are some of the differences i mean i know for the for teens at least in my experience what i've seen is um, a lot of changing in mood. So mm-hmm. usually what I tell people is, okay, if somebody's depressed, if Johnny's depressed for one or two days, if you're a teacher and you're in the classroom and you notice he's a little off, mm-hmm. no big deal, right? We all have bad days. Yeah. But bad if, weeks. Right. We mm-hmm. all have bad weeks. If all of a sudden two weeks go by mm-hmm. and you notice Johnny's really been off for like a good two weeks, yeah. then, we, then something's up. Is he acting more out of the norm for his usual self. So if Johnny's always outgoing and now all of a sudden he's quiet and listening to you in the classroom when he's usually a behavior problem, (laughs) that could be a sign. You might be really excited because finally your classroom is quiet if you're a teacher or at home, right? All of a sudden he's quiet at home. He's not causing any problems with mom and dad. Like, great. Well, not exactly because it's out of the norm for his normal personality Mm -hmm. or vice versa, you know, maybe... He might be typically a quiet, shy person, and now he's boisterous and Mm -hmm. social and dancing on tables. Mm -hmm. Or (laughs) you might think, great, he's coming out of his shell, but these really could be signs that are out of the norm for something Mm -hmm. that's distressing that he can't verbalize to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I agree. I think the big big word that you use that I like is the norm. So Mm -hmm. what's their baseline? Right. Um, Because it can be for behaviors, too. Um, so do they normally hang out with a family, um, come to the dinner table on a regular basis or, and all of a sudden they're saying, you know, I don't want to eat dinner. I'm just going to go to my room and study. And they wouldn't normally do something like that. Um, and you know, because I think teens, they do, they, they like a rhythm. They like, um, having life kind of make sense to them. And Mm -hmm. so when you start to see those big drastic changes, um, it tells you something's going on here because they're not necessarily going to be, hey, mom, dad, I'm feeling really blue. Right. In general, they like to hide their emotions. You know, they're they're differentiating from their parents, you know, that mm-hmm. meaning they're they're separating. They're coming up with their own individual identity. So there's right. there's a lot of pushing away of parents, which is a natural, normal part right. of being a teenager. Um, and what that does is um, it also means if they're having a struggle, they're going to try to deal with it on their own often. Right. And so what happens is I find a lot of times teens tell me, uh, I'll say, have you talked to your parents about this? And they'll say, no, I haven't. Even if they have a phenomenal relationship with their parents. Right. And I'll say, why haven't you talked to your parents about this? Well, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. They're mm-hmm. scared to tell their parents. Um, mm-hmm. And for each teenager, it's different. It's a different reason why they might be scared. Um, but so... 
a teen who might have, you know, preteen, middle school might have told you anything and everything, you know, freshman, sophomore year of high school, you're still kind of expecting that dynamic, just naturally developmentally where they are, that might not happen. Right. Um, and so you would expect them to say, I'm feeling really sad, but that's probably not, it's not going to necessarily happen that way. Right. And I mean, developmentally, they're wanting, they connect with their peers more, so they go to their peers for advice. Absolutely. Which could be another sign. I feel like with kids in general, but especially teens, you know, they're not going to be like on the TVs and the movies where, oh, you're really depressed. You're on the couch all day eating ice cream. (laughs) It's very like liable, lots Mm -hmm. of changes, right? So they might have, you might notice a change in their friend group. Mm. So maybe they go from one group of friends to another. They won't necessarily have zero friends all of a sudden and Mm -hmm. isolating themselves or their group of friends is smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, They They have a huge falling out with a group of friends. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. Or they're in a great mood one day and the next day they're really down and completely off and it just goes back and forth, kind of like a roller coastery Mm -hmm. sort of signs. And so I feel like that's that compounds it even further based on what you're mm-hmm. saying because they're seeking that independence they're only yes. going to friends but then on top of that it could be friends that you don't know as a parent because mm-hmm. all of a sudden they switch to group mm-hmm. so that creates further distance for for you to be able to find ways to find out how they're doing exactly it might be kids that you're not used to checking in with mm-hmm. yep and the the thing I find interesting too is you know talking to parents sometimes they'll say like okay well then what do I do it's like you gotta you gotta talk to them um and there's you gotta start asking them questions um and you know it's the thing I notice is everybody in that situation is uncomfortable like the parents are uncomfortable asking the questions like Mm -hmm. how how are you feeling Mm -hmm. like how I've noticed a lot of times that's a good way of starting it is I've noticed things are different right and whatever that change is you know I noticed you're not hanging out with Ben as much as you used to. What happened? Where'd Ben go? And don't worry, if you ask them, it's not going to make them become depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes just asking questions around whatever the change is um, can start to elicit responses because what I find is although teenagers don't want to come and talk to you about it, they do want to come and talk to you about it. You know, they want to go to their friend group, but there's a part of their brain that knows like, these people are kids just like me. Yeah. There's part of them that knows. There's part of them that wants an adult. Right. You know, because they are. They're that weird split mm-hmm. of they're a kid and they're not a kid. Mm-hmm. And so their wants and desires are kind of, you know, yin-yang, black and white like that too. Like, right. I don't need my parents' help at all. But there's that voice deep down that's like, oh, I kind of need Right. I need an adult's help in this, right. you know? So it's always going to be uncomfortable because just where they are in terms of their personality development yeah. is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's, that's another piece of advice I give to parents as well is just because it's uncomfortable to ask doesn't mean you shouldn't ask it. Absolutely. And paving that way, you're giving them permission. You're mm-hmm. opening the door exactly. for them to come to you. Maybe they don't that second that you ask but maybe mm-hmm. a few hours later a couple days later that's so true right yeah that first they'll rebuff you like oh why are you even ask me this right and you're right it's, <laughs> it is it's opening a door and I find that's the big thing is it's like this big game of emotional chicken mm-hmm. you know it's like who's gonna be the first one to ask right <laughs> who's gonna be the first one to say something um so and I I, I think you're right yeah sometimes mm-hmm. it's a day or two later that they'll come back 
because they got it. I think for teenagers, it has to be their choice. They want right. it to be their choice. So if you ask and they rebuff you, um, they give it, sometimes they'll give it a couple of days because now it's me coming right. to you. Oh, you <laughs> it know. is my idea. So you basically have to be inception for your teenager and then <laughs> plant it in there That's and so they'll true. come back to you. <laughs> this is great. My gosh, I feel like we like, we're pretty much out of time. I we feel are, like we yeah. have like way more to talk about on this topic. That's so true. <laughs> so we might have to do some more a episodes. follow up. Yeah, yeah. follow up episode about this. Understanding teenagers. So yeah. much to understand. So much to understand. It's so true. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for joining us. Yeah. We had a lovely time. I'm almost out of my mint melange over here. So. <laughs> yes, I'll need, I'll need to re-steep my tea over here, my rosy bows. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully next time we talk to you, it won't be so swelteringly hot here in Orlando. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and remember, talk to your teens mm. and don't be afraid and recognize those signs. If those signs are happening, then you might want to seek extra assistance. Yep, and it's perfectly okay to seek extra assistance. All right. Well, God bless everyone, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>